Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders Yankees podcast for Monday, August 2nd. The Yankees begin a seven-game homestand. They face Baltimore. They face Seattle. They're coming off the three-game sweep of the Marlins. Road trip could have been better if they had performed better in Boston, obviously. But the Yankees overall now are 10-5 and since the All-Star break. They are starting to play better. Surely you would have loved to have had some of those wins against the Red Sox, avoided some of those bullpen meltdowns. But you're moving into a place now, past the trade deadline. The Yankees have reinforced their team in some areas that they needed to. They're starting to win some games. Sure, the Marlins don't hit very well. The Marlins don't field very well. They do pitch very well, and the Yankees were able to push across enough runs to finish off the three-game sweep, and they're in the playoff race with two months to go. That's all you're looking for right now from the New York Yankees. Sure, they gave away some opportunities earlier in the year with their games against Tampa Bay, with their games against Boston, but now you're in a spot where the Yankees are fighting for a playoff spot, and they are in a much better position to do so than they were a week ago. Quick looking back at the trade deadline acquisitions, been on the radio talking about them, tweeted about them, uh, but give you a little recap, uh, especially after what we've seen over the course of the last three days uh, against Miami. Wow, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, that one kind of came out of nowhere, and it's a terrific addition for the New York Yankees, isn't it? Hard to argue after the weekend that he had. Five for nine, a couple of home runs. He scored five runs. He drove in three. His The runs he drove in, all very important in low-scoring games, um, giving the Yankees the lead, breaking ties, things like that. So uh, Rizzo is coming up clutch all of a sudden. He's playing good defense. Um, and Rizzo is very important here for the leadership aspect that he brings and the high performance he brings on two sides of the ball. Let's remember that this Yankees team, as they're trying to chase down a championship, doesn't have a lot of the kinds of players they used to lean on for leadership inside that clubhouse. They don't have players with multiple World Series rings. They hardly have any players with World Series rings. They have Brett Gardner, who's playing in a kind of advanced reserve role. He's not necessarily a bench player, but he's not really one of the starting players, and he's not having a very good year. Hard to exert influence in the same manner when you're kind of in the situation that Gardner is in right now, although he does have some leadership, and it is important. Aroldis Chapman has a World Series ring with the Cubs. A little bit different in the closers role. Your leadership is kind of limited to that bullpen group most cases. Um, Anthony Rizzo now comes to the Yankees as an everyday player. First base, um, presence in the lineup, and a presence defensively, and a guy who has that championship pedigree. That's something the Yankees have been missing. 
as much of a leader as Aaron Judge can claim to be or we can claim he is, he doesn't have that extra something in his pocket that a guy like Rizzo has because he's played on a World Series championship team. And he's coming here as an everyday player, not as an extra player, not as a bench player. He is going to be one of your main cogs here. So that leadership value, I think, is very important for the New York Yankees here going forward, giving them something that as much as Aaron Judge wants to be and can be a leader of this team, he just doesn't have the same cachet as Rizzo has coming here with that World Series ring on his finger. So I think that's something that's important to watch. Adding Joey Gallo, adding Anthony Rizzo. We're going to get another idea the next seven games here as the Yankees play at home, see what kind of a difference it makes having some extra left-handers in that lineup. It goes beyond the idea of taking aim at the short porch. You know, Rizzo hit a couple of homers over the weekend. They both they were both pull shots in Miami and both obviously would have left Yankee Stadium. Um, but he mentioned earlier about the idea of hitting in Yankee Stadium, that the idea that, okay, if he's trying to pull the ball, it usually ends up being bad result for him. So um, it's not so much trying to pull the ball, but it's the idea that he can hit fly balls that um, are outs at other ballparks that are home runs at Yankee Stadium. And every left-handed batter that's hit at Yankee Stadium for 100 years has known that to be true. And now Rizzo and Gallo both get to be part of that. Beyond that, adding two left-handed bats was crucial. In the week leading up to the trade deadline, I spoke to some people as the Joey Gallo rumors were uh, floating around about what kind of an impact Gallo could have on the Yankees lineup. And if it was really enough to have an opposing manager, think about how he wants to deploy his bullpen. Because as we know, teams want to like bring their right-handed relievers out, uh, their power right-handed relievers, and facing guys like Judge and Sanchez and Stanton and Torres and LeMahieu and Voigt and get these guys out using power right-handed relievers. Um, I asked a couple of managers if they thought Gallo was going to be enough to make you rethink that strategy. And they said no. They, if they have power right-handers, that's still who they were going to deploy. The answer I got was they need two left-handed bats to really make you think twice about how that works. So now you have two left-handed hitters. You have Gallo, you have Rizzo, and now you have something else in there to make managers think about how they deploy their bullpen. And the fact that Anthony Rizzo hits left-handers pretty well, that makes you think Again, uh, we saw the Marlins do it with Richard Blyer on Sunday, and Rizzo roped a single into left field, scored the tying run. It reminded me of a, a, a great story I like to tell from the 2009 championship season, and it deals with Hideki Matsui. Matsui had a tremendous year that season against left-handed pitching. If you look up the splits, I think he had like 340. 13 or 14 home runs against left-handed pitching. If you extrapolated his season, gave him 600 bats against left-handed pitching that year, it would have been something like a 50 home run season, 50 or 60 home runs, uh, like 130 RBIs and a 340 batting average. That's how good he was against left-handed pitching. And every time late in the game, when the opposing manager would make the pitching change to bring in his lefty, the Yankees dugout would explode and players would yell, don't do it, don't do it, because they knew that 
they had him right where they wanted him, that Matsui was ready. Matsui didn't give against left-handed pitching, kept that shoulder in, and, and knew how to drive the ball against left-handed pitching. And it was, you know, it worked out very well for the Yankees many times when Matsui faced a left-handed reliever late in the game. Well, I laughed on Sunday because one of the guys usually yelling the loudest from the Yankees dugout was Derek Jeter, yelling, don't do it, don't do it, and clapping when Hideki Matsui inevitably drove in a run against that left-handed reliever. Well, I, I think he was singing a different tune when he's sitting in that owner's box on Sunday, and they bring in their lefty reliever, and Anthony Rizzo drills that game-tying single and helps lead the Yankees to the sweep against the Marlins. So a little bit of irony there that I found kind of funny as Rizzo showed you how well he hits against lefties. And that's important too. All of this is about how it affects managers going to their bullpen late in games. Now, why do they still do it? Well, because it's not always about how that hitter does against lefties. You kind of have to, you know, uh, have confidence in your guy too. Your guy gets lefties out well. He does that very well. You have a large sample that tells you that. That hitter does have success against lefties, but you got to pick at some point who you choose, who you trust, and the manager's going to trust his own guys. So um, I think you're going to see that still continue. I think you're going to see them continue to try to bring in a lefty to uh, to work that part of the lineup, and the Yankees are going to have an advantage if Anthony Rizzo continues to do well against left-handed pitching. And with him in that lineup, uh, it certainly makes a difference because now you have him and Gallo and Odor when he's in there. Uh, it makes a big difference. Defense. Now we got, we have to see Joey Gallo kind of take off too. He hasn't really, you know, he, it's hard to make any proclamations off of three games. I mean, I think we all want to retire Anthony Rizzo's number after three games. He's wearing 48, by the way. And we kind of forgot that Joey Gallo's here too. Why? Well, because the Yankees won three games. Didn't really matter that Glaber Torres didn't have a good series, that Joey Gallo hasn't really done anything yet. Uh, and the Yankees still, you know, um, have some of these issues here with Stanton and Sanchez. And, uh, and Judge needs to, you know, get back on that power swing after, you remember, he had, he had missed the, the first nine games after the All-Star break, um, because of the COVID situation. So waiting for him to get going again. Um, the Yankees certainly have players in this lineup that need to start hitting. And a seven game homestand is a terrific place to start. The Yankees have an advantage. They love hitting in their whole ballpark. It hasn't been an advantage the last couple of years, right? And this year, especially the Yankees offense has not been what we've expected it to be and doing it in their home park and getting a, a good push into these last two months of the season. That's really going to be big if they can do this against Baltimore, against Seattle, a Seattle team they are fighting with now for that second wild card spot. Uh, Rizzo also brings you a defensive presence, as we know, as we've seen. But the Yankees now have, and Gallo too, in the outfield, the Yankees were not a very good defensive team uh, for most of this season. All you had to do was watch to see that, but the metrics kind of bear this out too. The Yankees are near the bottom of the league. Uh, when you think about defense, well, now they have two plus defenders in the outfield with Judge and Gallo manning the corners. Uh, Gardner or Allen in center field. Uh, Gardner, a little bit older, a little slower, uh, doesn't measure up as well as he used to, but I think you'll still take him out there. Uh, and Allen, too, I think you've liked what he, what you've seen from him. When you have Judge and Gallo, a couple of pretty good athletic people for being as big as they are. Um, and, 
having their defensive game out there, uh, I think you feel a little bit better out there. Now, compared to what Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar were in those outfield spots, they were not, um, you know, and, and Aaron Hicks was not having a very good defensive year when he was here at the beginning of the year. So the Yankees have suffered defensively this season in the outfield. They've improved it now. On the infield, holy cow, you have Rizzo, who brings a handful of gold gloves with him. LeMahieu can now stay at second base, where he is a gold glove caliber defender. And Urshela at third base, you know how good he is. Um, Glaber Torres, there are still some issues with him at shortstop, but maybe they are lessened if you surround him with three-plus defenders in the infield. The Yankees didn't improve up the middle defensively. Talked already about second base, or I'm sorry, about center field, and you know about shortstop with Glaber, and Sanchez is behind the plate. Um, up the middle defense is still where the Yankees are weaker, but on the corners, um, they are very good. And on the outside edges, they are very good. They have plus defenders now in right and left at first and third and second. So um, maybe this helps the Yankees defensively look better uh, and pitching Perhaps this helps with some of their ground ball guys. Like Zach Britton's gotten beat by some ground balls that have gotten through the infield. And we know some of the issues that, that those that they've had there. So maybe this helps in that regard uh, defensively for the Yankees. And we'll see what happens. Um, they are better than they were a week ago. But now they have to show it. And part of it is starting to hit. And starting to hit this week at Yankee Stadium, putting some runs on the board, hitting extra base hits. This team does not hit enough extra base hits. They don't hit enough doubles. They don't hit enough homers with men on base. They need to score. Um, I mentioned that over the weekend, uh, Richard Neer said to me that he likes Anthony Rizzo because of the professional at-bats. And sure, there's a lot to like about drawing walks, taking pitches, fouling off tough pitches, things like that. But the Yankees have plenty of guys that do that. They need guys to help them score runs. You know what they don't do enough of? Score runs. They don't hit enough doubles. They don't hit enough homers. They start to do that, then you're going to see a, a, a Yankee team that's more representative of what you thought they were going to be, of what the Yankees thought they were going to be. And they're pitching really well, too. Jamison Tyone is pitching really well. Jordan Montgomery is pitching really well. Garrett Cole's had a couple of hiccups, but I think you've seen how dominant he can be even in the wake of the sticky stuff crackdown with some of the games that he has pitched against the Astros and against the Red Sox. Um, so I think you are looking at a, a staff here that started to pitch really well. The bullpen, uh, I think they, they appear to at least be over the, the horrific stretch that they had with Chapman and Green and Loisega. Loisega wasn't even a long stretch. It was a couple of bad ones, and, and, and Green has had trouble with the home run ball. Chapman, you know, he's had trouble with the home run ball. So they're not foolproof by any means there. But if they're over the horrific stretch, then you're starting to see the seeds of a team that can make the playoffs. And that's really all you're looking for at this point. Now, what happens if you make the playoffs? Well, you you face either Boston or Tampa Bay, a team you've had trouble beating in a one-game playoff. But if they get there, it means they've played better. It means they've they've, uh, turned things around a little bit. And if Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole, and if Luis Severino, who begins a rehab assignment on Tuesday, starts to show you what he's made of, I think I think you can take your chances because I think we've forgotten how good Luis Severino can be. Um, and I mentioned Montgomery and Tyone. The Yankees do have you know a glimmer of hope here if they can get themselves into the playoffs. 
I've mentioned this before. The analogy is the NCAA tournament, which is what the baseball playoffs have become. Well, you know, the Yankees are not going to be Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky or UConn or somebody going into the tournament at 30 and two. They're going to be the team that's struggling to get that 20th win and show the committee they're worth a chance in the tournament and picking up one of those last at large bids. That's what the Yankees are working towards right now. Maybe they work themselves into the division race again, but let's not worry about that right now. Right now, you think about winning games and getting yourself in position to be in that wild card picture. And if they do that, and if they are healthy, and if they're productive and hitting, and this defense tightens up the way I mentioned, and some of the Yankees' top hitters start hitting again, because that has to happen too. LeMahieu, Urshela, Judge, Torres, Sanchez, Stanton. It's not just about new guys. These guys have to do their part, too. And if they can start to do that a little bit, you're going to see a glimmer of hope of what the Yankees could possibly do if they can make their way into this tournament that baseball has created for their postseason and you figure out how to win 11 games. Can they do it? Who knows? But they've got to start this week against Baltimore, against Seattle, and show you that the pieces are in place and start to move forward a little bit. I also want to remind you that um, I, I want to spend a minute here real quick uh, that I tweeted out over the weekend, a link to a podcast I did about Don Mattingly's home run streak. Joey Votto hit home runs in seven consecutive games. The streak was broken on Saturday night when he failed to hit a homer in his eighth consecutive game, but he came within about a foot of doing it at City Field. And how remarkable it is that that home run record has stood for 65 years. It's been tied twice since Dale Long set it in 1956 with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tied by Don Mattingly in 87. Tied by Ken Griffey Jr. in 93. A couple of people have gotten close at six games and seven games, but nobody has matched eight except for Mattingly and Griffey since that record was first set in 1956. I think it's one of the most remarkable records because of all the home run records that have fallen. Um, You've seen the single season record, the career home run record, uh, has been broken multiple times, Uh, but that record has not been broken. And I find it fascinating every time somebody gets close and they still come up short because in this launch angle, home run, smaller ballparks, all of this stuff, it is a record that has stood for 65 years, tied twice. A podcast I did on the 30th anniversary of Mattingly Streak, we uh, reposted a couple of days ago on my Twitter at Yankees WFAN. Go check that out there. And uh, again, just a lot of respect for Joey Votto with what he was able to do and a lot of a lot of respect for Dale Long, Don Mattingly, and Ken Griffey Jr., uh, because they still hold that record. I think it's pretty special. want to remind you to subscribe to WFAN's Baseball Insiders. You'll get my Yankees reports and Ed Coleman's Mets reports delivered right to you. Also, check out 30 with Murdy. We've got a couple of special ones coming up, including a very special one that deals with the Field of Dreams game. That's going to be coming up for you next week. The Yankees and White Sox will be playing at the Field of Dreams coming up on August 14th and uh, got a special podcast for you coming up on the 30 with Murdy platform next week that will help you help get you ready for that. Until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 